Oh, sounds like a big to-do thing, doesn't it? Save the world. Now, a lot of times we look at that. We take on this big burden onto ourselves sometimes about saving the world. And what does it mean to save the world? Sometimes I think what it is is we, we're trying to we're trying to make the, bring the kingdom of God into our, into our life and into our world. We're trying to make it, make it righteous. Make it right. Yes. Huh? Make it right. Jesus said I didn't come to save the world. Where does that leave us? A good place to start is right in Genesis. The ground is cursed because of you, and your life you will struggle and scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grain by the sweat of your brow, will you have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made, for you were made from dust, and dust you will return. And if you know your Bible, you know, of course, that is God speaking to Adam after the transgression, after he sinned, you know... Um, little interesting point when I was reading that uh, preparing for this message I thought well well there is something when I, now we know that Eve uh, looked at that forbidden tree that and she saw it was good and she ate of it and she gave it to Adam and it said he ate it only says that their eyes were opened after he ate not when she ate mm. now that gives you great pleasure huh Jerry <laughs> praise God we do have responsibility, don't we? Well, I wonder, and I read this too, it says, well, from dust. When God's telling Adam, he says, from dust you came and dust you shall return to. I wonder if Adam thought in his mind at that point, he says, what's dust? Huh? Remember, he was living in an uncorrupted world. Was there dust in the Garden of Eden? I don't know, there wasn't ever, you, you ever, th you think about this, there wasn't any rain, you know, the water, it says the earth was watered from a mist and from the underground, you know, but how many of y'all have ever have a, had a plant in your house unattended for a while and looked at it and thought, boy, that thing's dusty, huh? I don't think Adam looked at any of the leaves on the trees or the garden that he tended, and I don't see him wiping them with those uh, plant cloths, <laughs> the dust. You know, what any dust? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine your house without any dust? Does it keep you busy getting after the dust? It does. An unpolluted. It's hard to even imagine that, isn't it? It's hard to imagine that. In the light of our political our whole political thing that's going on today. We look for better conditions, higher wages, less taxes, better health care, and the list goes on and on. How many of y'all have heard any of that stuff on television here lately? You know, it seems to me like I heard all that stuff last election also, and I hear it every election. It's always better. And boy, do we get drawn into it. We get drawn right into that. Like the world, the world is going to save my life position. 
Boy, if I just, if the wages just went up, if minimum wage went up, boy, if I just had that health care, if I just had this, if I just had that, boy, you know, if they could just make that happen, this would really be a wonderful world. I heard somebody on television the other day, one of the things, and I think it was the, uh, the doctor, I uh, can't think of his name now, but uh, he said, you know, we really need to return to Christian values and morality. Very few people say that. But isn't that what the world needs? Yes. Don't they need Jesus? Yes. So when we think about all these things about saving our world and we try, to, uh, uh, we try to somehow adjust our lives and make our lives good by taking care of all these things, you know, uh, sweeping the dust. You know, if I just had this, it would be better. Realizing that... Uh, God takes care of it. So if I just had all these things, the list goes on. But wait, maybe, just maybe, just maybe, God can supply my needs. Is that something unique? Or have we read that? Have we ever gave that, given that any thought? I mean, maybe we've read that. I've read that. How many of y'all have read that? Maybe, just maybe, God can supply all these needs. He says, I can supply everything according to my riches and glory. Maybe, just maybe God can supply my me. What if I turn my attention, what if I turn my attention out and away from being the savior of the world, huh? To actually putting them in touch with the man, the one who stills the water, the one who can supply all your needs. Meet every need, no matter what the current situation is, no matter who's in office, no matter what is going on in the world, God is able to supply all of our needs and equip us to the work to come. Philippians, Paul said it in Philippians 4.19, he says, But my God shall supply all your needs according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now the living uh, translation says this, and this same God who takes care of me will supply your needs from His glorious riches, which has been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now, I like that, that has been given unto us in Christ Jesus. But I actually like the King James where it says, My God. Who are we talking about? We're talking about my God. When I talk to you about Jesus Christ or about God, when I'm witnessing, I'm talking about my God. He is my God, and I'm going to give you an opportunity now for Him to be your God. But He's my God. I know Him, and He knows me, and He supplies all my needs according to His riches. He supplies everything I need, and it's all supplied through Jesus Christ. Painting and working in my house here a few weeks ago, the Holy Spirit... As he, as he usually, you know, the Holy Spirit kind of, you know, the, the Word of God says it's the still, you know, He speaks to us in a still, small voice, doesn't He? And, and, and He does. It's like He kind of sneaks up on you. You know, it's like the Holy Spirit just kind of sneaks up on you. You know, your mind is all engrossed and engrafted in whatever you're doing and you're trying to, you know, get this, whatever you're working on done, you're, you're, you're taking thought for it. And the word says, take no thought. So, you know, we're, you're all engrossing. And I'm standing there and I'm looking at this room, which I have been working on and cleaning and painting and fixing up. And I, 
And I said, to, I said to myself, I says, didn't I just paint this place? Uh, have you ever been that? Have you ever fixed anything and it needed fixing again and again and again? I said, didn't I just fix this place? And the Holy Spirit is like he come right up there beside me. And he says, well, why don't you labor for that which is eternal? Why don't you labor for that which is eternal? Now that just brought a whole line of things that the Holy Spirit then started speaking to me. And I started thinking, well, what do you do with this? What do I do with this which God, which you have provided for me? God has met my needs. God has provided for me. But yet I am just a steward over it. It is God. All that I have and all that I desire to have, all that I possess is God's. So that, and that brings me great joy too because I can say, God, your roof is leaking. <laughs> Now, Lord, I'm willing to help out on that, but you're going to have to show me what to do here, and you're going to have to provide what I need for it, okay? So, so what I have and what I, what I hope to have is all in the possession of God to use to His glory, okay? To use to His glory. Now, God tells us that it's all going to pass away. But what we have and what God provides is supposed to be used for the glory of God, isn't it? Huh? Amen. From our finances, to our knowledge, to our possessions, they are used to the glory of God. <laughs> I think when, when I thought about Adam, when he says, well, the dust of the ground, and he, and he doesn't know dust, I thought, I thought of, my, uh, I, I thought of this, this little device right here. And if any of you all have grandchildren and you got electronic devices and you get them back, I, I don't know where the grandchildren find the pound of bacon to massage before they get on your, your devices, but they seem to find it because when you get it back, it's a mess, isn't it? <laughs> and the world seems to make a mess of what we try to hold dear, what we cling to. We hang on to it, and the world comes by, and before you know it, it's just laden with dust. Matthew 6, 19 says, Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth or rust destroy or where thieves break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And that is a real situation that we need to address, don't we? We need to address where our heart is. Now, if I say, God, your roof is leaking and it's God's possession, then I am, I am a, uh, a servant. I am one taking care of such possessions so that God has placed me in charge of. So God is going to take care of that situation, but it, it's all in God's hands. What it does is it removes, it removes the bondage of such things in the world. Folks, to much is given, much is required, right? And no matter what we have, no matter what we get, no matter what, you know, what's going on in our lives, those, the things of this world has a tendency to bring us down and grab hold of us. And what's it do? What does, that, what does it do to us? 
It causes us to be ineffective for the kingdom of God is what it does. It steals God's time. When the Holy Spirit came up to me and said, said, well, why don't you work for that which is eternal? He wasn't saying, hey, don't sweep the floor. What, he's, what he was saying is, why don't, you, why don't you take care, why don't you put some time into the really important things? Huh? In other words, okay, well, how much time do I have to give you, God? <laughs> do you want equal time? Do you want more time? How much? How, don't tell me you've never bargained with God. Huh? The fact is, whatsoever we do, whatsoever we do in word and deed, let it be all as unto the Lord, right? If we can get that right, if we can get that right, no matter what we're doing, whether we're sweeping the floor, whether we're cleaning, if we're doing that, all what we're doing in our jobs, whatsoever we do, if it's all to the glory of God, and we have it in God's hand, then God can speak to us in that situation, at that time, concerning that, to His glory. So that He gets the glory. And it will be a witness to those around us. And of course, and that is what it's all about, isn't it? That is what it's all about. What is the kingdom of God? What is the kingdom of God? When the word says, seek the kingdom of God, what is the kingdom of God? Of course, we know that the kingdom of God is not these things. It's not this building. The kingdom of God is with us. The kingdom of God is the, the love, the joy, the peace. The kingdom of God is the fruit of the Spirit. The kingdom of God is people. When, when Jesus says, you know, he says, or when the word says uh, that the whole world might be saved, you know, when the world, he's, not, he's, certainly, not talking about, he's certainly not talking about this building, is he? He's talking about the people. Now, it's an interesting thing in Matthew, because when I read this, it says, Lay up not treasure, lay up for yourselves. Do not lay up treasures for yourselves. Let me try this again. <laughs> is anybody there? Is anybody in that? You'll know I've messed that three times. No, I've messed that. This is Matthew. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Okay? And the word that stuck out to me and grabbed me right there is it says, For yourself. For yourself. James tells us, he says, boy, he says, you know, you ask, but you don't receive because you ask amiss. Why? To consume it upon your own lust. He says, do not lay up treasures for yourself. What do these treasures have to do that God gives us? When God makes us, makes us steward over the things that he gives us, what are they for? They're to glorify God, Right? Our home should be what? We've, we've, just, we've been listening to a wonderful uh, series of messages about signs of the church. We know that, in, in when we talk, when, in Acts, it says they were all together. They, in the book of Acts, you read where they're all together and they were in fellowship and they went houses one to another. And what did they fellowship? Who, what did they talk about? They talked about God, didn't they? They fellowshiped in the things of the Spirit. We have great power and great wealth in our lives to minister and fellowship one with another about the kingdom of God and to encourage one another. We need to make sure that we do it. These home fellowships that we have now, the home fellowships have been started, we do not know the depth of what these home fellowships will do. We can just get, I, I'm just now, the Holy Spirit is starting to reveal to me and show me why this is so important, these home fellowships, to open our homes and to have fellowship and bring them in. 
Have you ever seen a child with a new toy? And another child comes along and wants to play with it? Mine. Mine. And they seem to... Now, have you ever watched that same child when, uh, when the toy has gotten a little bit old? <laughs> it's kind of cast aside. Or have you ever watched how that toy becomes when that child shares it with another child? Suddenly that toy, suddenly it becomes new again. It has a greater wealth. It becomes new again. Because that which has become old to you, when someone else gets it and they are excited about it, it's renewed in you what you liked about it. It's renewed in you what you found fascinating about it. And you want to tell them all about it. You want to show them just how good it really is. If you share your treasure, it isn't corrupt. Or it won't become a treasure, or it won't become a treasure until you share it. When is it the greatest treasure? I believe when you share it. Jesus becomes a greater treasure to us when we share Him. Is it exciting to share Jesus? Can you remember? <laughs> it's terrible because sometimes it gets so far down the road that we don't remember. And why is that? Why is it far down the road that we don't remember? when we shared Jesus, or when someone got saved and got excited about Jesus because of what we were ministering to them. It got far down the road because we were trying to save the world. We were trying to save all our stuff. We were trying to keep up with everything to be a good, maybe to be, we think or say to be a good steward, but in reality, we've forgotten the purpose that God gave us stewardship over to begin with. Mission. The kingdom of God doesn't enrich its rulers at the expense of its subjects. Instead, it accomplishes God's will. The kingdom of God, when we're seeking the kingdom of God, it doesn't enrich the rulers at the expense of the subjects. Instead, it accomplishes the will of God. Does that sound like something that's going on in our world right now? It does, doesn't. In the TV and the things going around us, we see such corruption. It's unreal, isn't it? We see such lies and deceit that it's just, you think, my God, where is Jesus in this thing? And I think the Holy Spirit is saying exactly, where is Jesus? Whose job is it? It's our job, folks. I would love to pass the buck. I want to pass it to Giselle. There. <laughs> there, Giselle's got it. It's our job. We need revival coming up in us. We need the Holy Spirit. So, in Matthew 6, Therefore I say unto you, don't worry about your life, what you eat or drink, nor about the body, what you'll put on. Isn't the life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, nor do they reap or gather into barns, but your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Which of you, by worrying, 
can add a cubit to his statue. Now, now this scripture talks about worrying. Do you know that when you're trying to save the world, you cannot try to save the world with the things and the, the possessions and things that we try to keep up without worrying? If, if, our, if, our, if our eyes are on our possessions, upon what we have, they're always in need of constant repair. And we will worry, and worry is not of God. So why worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil or spin. And I say to you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed as one of these. Now if God so clothed the grass of the earth, of the field, which is today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not more clothe ye, O ye of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat or drink? What shall we wear? For the world, the Gentile, all seek after such things. Your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. Our heavenly Father knows. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Today is the day of salvation. Sufficient is the evil in today. So he says, don't worry about these things. God knows what you have need of. It's an important. We sometimes we think, well, do I worry? Have you ever, thought, have you ever, wondered, have you ever questioned whether you're worried? I do sometimes. I, I question, I go, well, am I worried? Am I worried about that? I can... I can be a real couch potato and really worrying. <laughs> huh? In other words, you won't be able to tell. You know what I mean? I can seem real calm, but I am worrying. Huh? It's not that I have to run around. Some people have to run around when they worry. <laughs> I won't mention any names. I, I sit down because I'm afraid of being run over. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I can be very still when I worry. You know, when, I, when that's going, things are not going on. So, so sufficient is the day of this trouble. Why do these things? Why do this work? The scripture here tells us we're not to worry. Why does it tell us? Why does it tell us? It says, because it doesn't do any good, does it? It doesn't do any good. It won't, he says it won't add anything. It won't help that situation. It will not help it. And it keeps us from doing what we're supposed to do. So what, does this, so what does this have to do with saving the world? What does it have to do with saving the world? And John 17, 9 through 11 says, I pray for them, I pray not for the world. This is what Jesus said. Jesus is saying this. He says, I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are yours, and all mine are thine. Now listen to this. And thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. This is Jesus. I said he's glorified. Jesus is glorified. You're in this place. I am glorified in them. You know, I looked at that and I thought, Jesus is glorified in me? Jesus is glorified in me? And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee. Jesus is praying for them. He's praying, listen, Father, I'm going to be coming to you, but I'm praying for these people. 
I'm not going to be with I'm praying for these people. I'm praying for, because they're going to be in the world. I'm coming to you, but they're going to be in the world. And I'm not, I'm not praying for the whole world. I'm praying for those that you have given me. Uh, okay, let's make a list. Let, let's put this on the to-do list, okay? Th- this is the to-do list for God. The people that He puts in front of you, these are the ones you're praying for. These are the ones that you're interceding for. The ones that God has put before you. Your spouse, your family, your children, your neighbor. Whoever God puts in front of you, if you put on your heart that you pray for, these are the ones. I pray for the ones that you have given me, Lord. And he says, I'm going to be with you, but I pray for them because they're going to be in the world. Why does he need to pray for us? Because we're going to be in the world. We need prayer. Huh? We need prayer. And he's, then he goes on to say, I'm glorified in them. I don't know about you, but that just puts a dance in my feet. That just makes me happier than all kinds of get out. Because God is glorified in me. What is it about me? What is it about me that God is glorified in me? He's put his spirit in me. I can say there's nothing good in me by the, Holy, by the scripture. There's nothing good in me except Jesus Christ because I'm born again. He's glorified in me. Why? Why? Because I can stand up here and talk about Jesus. You can talk about Jesus. Your life shows Jesus. Your very life. And when it doesn't, the Holy Spirit's beside you and saying, work for the eternal. (laughs) Keep it in the eternal so that He is glorified in you. Now, (laughs) in Revelation chapter 21, it says, Now I saw a new heavens and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. The world passed away. Now, I'm not going to get into logistics or, or, or doctrine issues with you. I'm just simply reading the scriptures, take it for what it is. It says, the world has passed away. The old has passed away. There is no more sea. And then he says, Then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And do, you, you got, do you know you got a resident in the new city, Jerusalem? Huh? Do you know that? Huh? Does, do you know that? Yes. What is that going to be like? Huh? Now, I'm not talking about some little sm- tiny apartment. Okay? The new Jerusalem. Coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. Ho! Huh? Whoa, glory, hallelujah, the tabernacle of God is with men. Who's, who's going to be living with us? Who's going to be abiding with us? God Himself. The, Jesus, Lord of lords and King of kings, He's going to be with us. We're going to be with Him. You know, we're no longer going to, we're no longer going to go through those cycles of, uh, of uh, election, are we? We're no, <laughs> we're no longer going to go through that. We're no longer going to say, well, there, gee, that can't be right. That can't be right. I mean, listen to what they're saying. That's a lie. That can't be right. We can't, we'll no longer be saying, well, that's against the Word of God. Huh? When we think of the kingdom of God, what is not? What, 
what is against the, anything that raises his head against the kingdom of God or against the word of God or the lordship of Jesus Christ. That's what we need to flee from. Sometimes we side right up against that. We bring it right into, into our house. And it's contrary to the word of God. And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, no sorrow, no crying. There will be no more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. New. Isn't new good? New is good. Huh? New is not broken. New is not rusted. New is not dusty. <laughs> New is good. And he said unto me, Write these things, these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And I give of the fountain of water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murder, sexual immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, liars shall have their part in the lake of fire and brimstone, which is the second death. He who overcomes, he who overcomes, I've overcome. Have you overcome? I've overcome by the blood of the Lamb. Amen? Can we say amen to that? I've overcome by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus. So why am I, you know, I mean, it's not, by, it's not by our works, it's not by our mind. But I've overcome by the blood of the Lamb. It's by my power, says the Lord. Now Jesus says, <laughs> before I close, I want to just touch on a couple of items here. A couple of things here. He says, I saw the new heavens and new earth. And John said, then I saw the holy city, the new city Jerusalem. And if you read about the accounts of the new city Jerusalem, it says, and of course there are the... Gold, I saw the streets, gold as of clear glass. Ooh, huh? How good are you keeping your floor clean here in Florida? <laughs> now, I don't think there's going to be some up there, somebody up there with a dust mop that says, just look at those streets of gold. Look at those smudges. Now, you know, I'm in the construction industry, and I know when people tell me, especially building kitchens, I think, ooh, I want, that, I want that glossy. I want that gloss countertop. Ooh, I want that high-gloss countertop. Ooh, yeah. I said, yeah, that high-gloss countertop, as soon as you get it, and as soon as the light reflects it and you walk into the room, you see every fingerprint. You see, you didn't think you scratched it, but you see a great big scratch going across there because there was a grain of sand underneath the milk jug when you went like that. <laughs> Now, now, I'm sure nobody's going to be up there and say, just look at those streets of gold. I just buffed those. Who tracked in that sand? <laughs> you know, and then they're going to point over there. It's going to be that one without the white robe. <laughs> and out he goes. You didn't take off your shoes. You know, I hate taking off shoes when, you, when I come into my house. I really do. But the dirt kind of wins out, and I try to do better about it. But... There won't be any dust. Now, you're saying, well, that, Pastor, that, that seems kind of silly. Folks, it's not corrupt. Can we, can we gather just a little, just to touch our minds on when, when God cursed the earth, 
when he cursed it then, can we just have to wrap our mind around? We can't. Because it says, I has not seen, huh? nor entered into the hearts of men what God has prepared for them who love him and are called according to his purpose, right? We cannot imagine. We get glimpse. People, to be with God and to be in the kingdom of God is going to captivate your imagination for eternity. There won't, there won't be any, well, I'm tired of this, let's do something else. <laughs> there won't be any of that. Now, in that, we can't even conceive. We can't even conceive that. Just like we cannot really conceive the height and the depth of God's love. It's going to be wonderful. What isn't going to be so wonderful is if we try to keep it to ourselves. Because there's a world out there that's lost. And they need Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. How is it acceptable? How can it possibly be acceptable for someone to go, to go into death without Jesus Christ, without being saved? The alternative to heaven is absolutely terrible. I was listening to uh, um, the Christian radio on the way in this morning, and it, he was making a reference, the speaker was making a reference to, uh, if we disobey God in part, we've, dis we've disobeyed Him wholly, yes. completely. And, and he was speaking about um, uh, Samuel and um, King, no, it was the king, that, Samuel and the king, first king. Saul, thank you. Thank you. He was speaking about Saul who was disobedient when God, when Samuel told him that God told him, you know, you go in there and you kill everybody. You kill women, children, you kill flocks, herds, little ones, old ones, and everything. I thought about that and I thought, God, how could I, I could have fallen on my face and intercede for a child, you know. But yet, it's an interesting thing because what did Saul do? So it's interesting because, and let's put it in reference to our modern day where we're living in now. You know, he didn't have any problem killing everybody, women, children, and everything there. But he kept the booty. He kept the, he kept the, he kept the sheep. The, the best of the wealth is what he kept. Didn't. Never said anything about him having any thought about killing the women or the children or the nothing else, but he kept, he kept the, the money, you know. It's an int interesting light into uh, who we are and what we need to fight against by, through by the Spirit of the Lord. I don't pray for the whole world, I pray for those who you gave me. Keep your eye out for who God gives you. That's what we need to do. Keep your eye on the prize. Keep your eye out for who God gives you and puts in front of you and you pray for them and you intercede for them and you minister on their behalf. And you tell them about Jesus. It's not acceptable that anyone. And that indeed is all that we're accountable for, isn't it? We're not accountable for what we don't have, for what God has not given us. We're not accountable for the world. We're accountable for who God sends us. Amen? Let's everybody stand. Yeah. <clears throat>